Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to episode 216 of Geekscape, your favorite weekly movies, video games, and comic book podcast. We're your host, Jonathan London, over here on the left. Um, talks to you about the latest news and reviews in the week of movies, video games, and comics. I'm joined by Brian Walton over here. The off-camera guy, as some <laughs> podcasts have told him. And every week, I like to sit down with a guest and talk about all those latest subjects and pretty much what excites us in the geek world. Um, this week, my guest is Lon Harris. He is... Um, you're like a, a what a reporter writer personality at sure. this week in startups. A web personality. A web personality. Uh, I'm actually the news reader. The on news the, reader on the this week in startup show, and I was the creative director over at the this weekend network for a while when we were first getting started. Mm-hmm. And produced a bunch of the early shows. And, and now you're at Ranker. Now I'm at Ranker, and yes. we like the Ranker guys because because you guys employed Walton and Gilmore. Otherwise, yeah. I think that those guys. I mean, they're good friends of mine, and I, I worry about them. <laughs> yeah, and, as well as you probably should. And giving them the means to put a roof over their head, I mean... It's a public service. I think we're getting a tax credit from the city uh, okay. for, for, for taking them. Because otherwise, these guys, you know how annoying they would be at a homeless shelter? <laughs> yeah, you know, Right, they'd be the two guys in the back. Like, they would have been killed. Trading Pokemon cards. At a homeless shelter, yeah. right? Like in a soup kitchen, sitting there, like trying to talk Pokemon with some guy who just wants to put a shiv in his face. Right, it's dangerous. I mean, or or, or her- they would have gone into drugs. I worry you about shelters them. Shelters or prisons? No, no. I I I, I think you're that annoying. I, you will drive people to the murder. I, Regardless, I'll, I'll drive people that don't even know what a shiv is to find and make a shiv. Yes. The entire time they get the concept, they start whittling down the spoon. Or and they'll they just they'll trade three packs of cigarettes for one. Right. No, no. In, no. in the homeless shelter, in the homeless shelter economy that I'm told happens. The, the economy is on a downturn, Walt, and we need you to ha- keep a job, okay? Oh, uh, and the, the thing is, you would think that 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 in a homeless shelter, and, and keep in mind, Thanksgiving when I was in high school, I would spend the Thanksgiving in a soup kitchen, giving out soup and stuff. Mm-hmm. And these people, you're right, Walt, and they're not violent. They're they're just sad and beat down. They don't have a place to go. You would drive them to motivation. No, no, I wouldn't. You would you would Gilmore, be like maybe. Oh, Gilmore! Gilmore the second Gilmore's to the door, they would they would kill him, or, or kill him. Yeah, they would kill him. Um, Lon, yes. but that is not your first time working with a Geekscapist. Like uh, you work no, at Ranker. It is not. I, I work at Ranker now with uh, Gilmore and Walton. People, right. I worked uh, years and years ago now, a long time ago, at uh, Laser Blazer, LA's finest uh, uh-huh. DVD and Blu-ray uh, store. And it, it, are they still? They're still on Olympic, right? They're still. No, it's uh, it, Pico. 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 They used to be in Santa Monica. Another like, have they always been at that Pico location? They've always, they've always they they were at a location that was a few blocks away. Right. And then they moved, but they've been at this Pico and, location for for decades. And the Jane Silent Bob Seeker stash is still part of it, or no, not no, anymore? That was, that was a few years ago. Uh, Kevin Smith had moved his Jane Silent Bob L.A. collection to out of Westwood. Place, to there. It was in Westwood, and then that closed down. Now I think the only remaining Jane Silent Bob store is in Red Bank, New Jersey. Right, and. You worked with William Bibiani there. William Bibiani. Was he annoying? I did. Or did you go, like like what was that like? Is this is he is he gonna Yeah, he's gonna watch this. this. Oh, yeah. No, he nobody was, watches he was, this. He was a, I mean, he's a he is a big personality. That's and, why we and, love him. Right. And and uh it can be a bit much when uh-huh. it's 8 9 hours around a big enthusiastic loud personality. It can be a bit much at times. We, but, we, we love you. But we, 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 we all love Viviani. And we but in a way that like... Together the, and I think yeah. uh, I learned a lot working with him because he's, he's extremely knowledgeable and it's great to meet other people who really know... But he also himself. has conversations Whoa. like this. His affect is off a he, bit. He can, yeah. be, he can be a bit 
a bit loud. We we love Bibbs. He could be a bit, you know, he could be a bit much. We and love Bibbs like the family on intervention loves the addict. Right. Like you want to sit him <laughs> like, down. And we want to be like, listen, man. Like here's a decibel reader. We want you to carry it in most conversations. <laughs> and if it starts to hit this little red mark, maybe enthusiasm goes down a little bit. Right. Either, right. either tone it down or you won the contest. Or, you, you know, so it, the it's not a contest. If we have one message for William Bibiani, it's, we love you, please stop. No, he, <laughs> no, 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 no. Bibiani must have been really helpful because his knowledge is so extensive. Very extensive. And that's something you really do appreciate uh, when you're working at Laser Blazer because you get about 100,000 stupid questions a day. Really? So... I mean, great questions, too, but, you know, it's great to have other knowledgeable people who can sort of, you handle this one. What was the worst question you got? Oh like, my God. Can, can you recall? I, like, there, there, are, there are two that stand out. There are two that stand out in my mind. The first one being, somebody came up to the counter and they go, I'm looking for that outer space movie, the one that goes, bum, bum, bum. And it's like, I knew what they were talking about, but oh, I wish I wouldn't. They don't deserve to get what they're bum, looking for. Bum, bum, bum. And then, and then, no, I mean, I, if you go, bum, bum. You should have done this. You should have gone, I think what you mean is, which is the cosmic key for Master of the Universe. Right, and you yeah. should have sent it home with that. <laughs> if they had come up and done the Close Encounters with the hand signals, right. then I would have been. That would no, have been I would have I would have pointed them towards Dolph Lundgren's Master of the Universe and been like, oh, the cosmic key sound. Do you mean any sci-fi movie with a score? You're right. Um, what is the second? You said the, there, yes, yeah. the, the other one was I had to go and get the box and show it to somebody to prove that the deer hunter was about Vietnam and not World War Two. I'd go get. I'm like, you're wrong. It's not. It's not World War Two. It's it's Vietnam. I mean, Diddy Mao. Diddy Mao does like, not sound like Japanese. How could it not be World War Two? And they're like, no, it's it's Japanese. It's a Japanese made up again. It's like it's based on a true story. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to go get the box and prove to you that Deer Hunter is about Vietnam, which everybody already knows right. because it's about Vietnam and it's wow. a famous film. So those are the two that stand out. I'm sure I could come up with more. And you're sitting there, and in, in, in what was the impetus of you going and doing this, like, working with the This Weekend guys? Uh, well, I had worked um, after after Laser Blazer, uh, where I worked for, for many years. Uh, <laughs> I went and got a job working uh, for this startup called Mahalo. Uh-huh. And it was started by a guy named Jason Calacanis, who, uh, you know, he started Weblogs Inc. He's been around since, like, the Weblogs. We've got friends of Mahalo days. now, yeah. Yeah, um, so and they, they do a lot of video mm-hmm. stuff now uh, on the web. So uh, I was there for a while, and then he started this other company to do podcasts, just podcasts, because we've mm-hmm. done a Mahalo podcast when I was at Mahalo mm-hmm. with Veronica Belmont, and I did a show called This Week in YouTube, and then that kind of grew into This Week in Startups, and Kevin Pollack does his chat show yeah, yeah. for This Weekend, and so it's sort of, I, I jumped ship and went to the other company when they got To just going. do podcasts, that's got to be the worst idea ever. <laughs> yeah, a whole company, just a podcast, and what were we thinking? Okay, uh, and, and, and Lon, that was for what two years? You're still doing it? Uh, I'm still on this weekend startups. Uh, I don't work full time at the this weekend, mm-hmm. um, you know, company anymore. It was uh, I, I joined, you know, halfway through last year. Right. So I was only there for about a year. And the ranker guys are good, you know, even working with Gilmore. Like everything's all right over there. Uh, working with Gilmore, you know, it's it's uh, <laughs> Gilmore. Gilmore is uh, Gilmore's great. He doesn't Gilmore's, watch. Gilmore's this. a friend. Uh-huh. He has. He has very strong opinions about things. Based and, on nothing. Well, you will just, you'll find yourself getting sucked into arguments, and it'll be 20 minutes later, and mm-hmm. you'll be like, I really don't even care about this thing we're no. arguing about. No. He, he, he is an expert in, in, like, just the most 
idiosyncratic nonsense <laughs> well, that just doesn't make yeah. it's like why did you waste my time with this you know what I mean like why did you waste my time with this conversation oh, nobody cares about it, 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 it's, it's really less about arguing and more about winning with that kid a little bit I, I, I will I will by request of the, the camera okay, well, well then you tell the, the, no, no, there's no, a Keanu Reeves story there's a, there's a Keanu Reeves story we, we do at Ranker we do a series of lists that are you know like the greatest moments in this certain celebrity's mm-hmm. life so we did Johnny Depp and there was there was one other one uh, that, uh, uh, Bill Murray Bill Murray okay just like funny, cool stories about the real people. Not not movie scenes. No, no, These no, are like like, like, like and Fat getting kidnapped by the triad. Right. Like, like the, right. one of the examples from the Johnny Depp one is like a kid from a school wrote him a letter about how much he loved him, and then he showed up at the school as Jack Spence. Yeah, I saw that video. Yeah, right. it was incredible. So we've done those two. Both were huge successes. So we're just standing around brainstorming, like who else? Who else could we do these for? Like who else is like a cool guy with a following? Mm-hmm. So like Brad Pitt immediately occurred to me as like there's lots. I've heard at least five or six funny real life Brad Pitt stories he's a big personality and you know he's beloved and popular and famous and so i thought that would be a good one and yeah, I said george clooney george yeah, clooney there's, there's cool. lo- i mean there's there's lots a lot of these so sean penn i think would be an interesting one too yeah. there's lots of these celebrities have had interesting lives uh and so gilmore comes up and he's saying like oh we should do keanu reeves and we all agree that's also a good idea mm-hmm. like the internet loves him there's lots of cool keanu stories and we're like yeah they're, they're all good ideas and he was just no no we should it, we have to do keanu reeves Oh, oh before we do anybody else, we do like, anybody else we have to stop do the fucking presses. So we're like, well, Not like you guys can't work on multiple ones at once. Right, You're just, incapable of that. Coming up with a list, right. and we'll move forward, and we'll do all of them. Uh, everybody, basically, everybody's idea is good so far. This and story is awful. He's, he's going. Uh, no, it's got to be Kendrick. And then what was the line? Was something like, goes, no, 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 it's because. You Reddit's taken him under their wing. Yeah, right. Taking, it was the the the, reason, the reasoning was that Reddit has like adopted Keanu Reeves as their favorite son, so it wouldn't make sense to do any other actor except Keanu Reeves because Reddit has taken him under this wing. And all of us just kind of stopped. Like, are we really having this conversation about who the internet has taken under their wing? If the Geekscapists didn't know Gilmore so intimately, they would not believe <laughs> this story. That story, true. but really. Eyewitnesses is true. It's so horrifically reactionary <laughs> that it's like, dude, how can this be somebody who, who who then claims to have original thoughts? And he's reactionary like the rest of them. So Jesus. yeah, I think Reddit, for the rest of that week, Reddit has taken blank under its wing. They need to take Gilmore, not only under its wing, off your hands. <laughs> right, yes. Thought about that? Maybe like a free agent trade? You get Keanu Reeves and trade? Would be I that. cannot be involved in Gilmore <laughs> being removed from a position again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you? Did you? I've, I've heard. I've heard the the rough outlines of this. Of this okay. Sad tale, Keep in mind, like like when when I hear you say something like that, Walton, I don't think you had anything to do with it. Well, I, no, no, like, I can't be the one. I can't be anywhere near him. Not. I can't be anywhere near him. Not doing something he's currently doing again. Like I'm. I'm. I was not involved in him. Like in me, kind. Hey. Forum members, listen to this story. I didn't. Oh right, right, right. You didn't replace him on Gilmore. No, no, no. That that was that was. Uh, you were just doing a kick-ass job. It wasn't a negative. Yeah. It was. Like, it, I don't promote or demote negatives. I promote positives. And you were doing a fucking awesome job. And I wanted the job to continue. So you're here. Does yeah. that make sense? Like it had nothing to do yeah, with. It totally makes sense. I just like. like the, the, and honestly, I like I like having. No, no, I like having Gilmore behind the camera. He's great behind the camera, but. 
I, it, it then I have to do a lot of the work of getting great guests, and like I don't think Lon would be here. I don't think Simon last week would be here, there. Like I like it's it's it, this is, it's so much better and easier for me just a, to a make a good show. Joke, yes. Just me saying, oh, yeah. four members. I didn't kill Gilmore. <laughs> I didn't replace Gilmore. It just happened. No, I love came. Gilmore. I, we all, I, I we, love him. We love, we love Luckily, he's small, and we can find a place for him. <laughs> like, um, you, let's talk about the movies that came out this week. You sure. went to see Cars two. I, I went did. to see Bad Teacher. Oh, great. Thoughts on Cars well. two? Uh, you know, I mean, I think on one hand, it's getting dumped on maybe a little unfairly. If this was a DreamWorks animated film, I mm. think people would be like, you know, it's not as good as How to Train Your Dragon or maybe Kung Fu. They'd Panda. give it concessions, but right? They would be like, ah, oh, it's you know, it's up to the level of like a Shrek sequel or something. It's, it's about as entertaining. as like, What's the story here? Because. Um, but it's because it's Pixar, it's so disappointing because it's just not up to the usual Pixar standards, except for the background design and animation. I mean, it gives them a, an excuse to... The movie's all over the world. It's like a globe-trotting spy adventure. That's the plot. So you're okay. in, yeah, you're in Italy, you're in, you know, uh, Paris, you're Japan, in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah, you get all over. And obviously the guys who were animating this movie got really into the idea of, like, Pixarizing the world's great cities. Mm -hmm. So those look amazing. I mean, there's a chase scene through, like... Italy, and, and I mean, you could tell the, the love and the detail has been put into, like, these Roman boulevards they're racing down. It looks like animated cars on real city streets, which mm -hmm. is awesome. And if you're an animation nerd or, like, somebody who's really into Pixar animation, I would think it's worth seeing, really, just for that. Yeah. But it's so much Larry the Cable Guy. I mean, it's so oh, no. much Larry the Cable Guy. They've Obviously, kids love Mater, the truck, the tow truck from the right. first movie that he plays. So he's front and center the whole time. I mean, Owen Wilson's character is totally sidelined. That's side not line. cool. You get Michael Caine in there a bit to sort of move the plot along, but it is... The but you see why your protagonist should be your Owen Wilson character yeah. pushing it forward. I mean, that, that's like... I think they. I think a problem they ran into with him is he, it's it's a little one note. It's like he, right. wants to win the, he wants to win the race. He always in the first movie was like, I gotta be a great race car. Now he's a great race car. What do you do? Where does he go from there? Yeah, I think the, the plot of the first one was about like learning to take things slow and appreciate it. Especially what I loved about the first one, I, I'm one of the. I, I think a lot of people liked the first one, but but it's not the most popular Pixar movie. I really loved it because it had this nostalgic, romantic view of the the West, you know, right. Route 66 and losing it and like the kind of the flow of culture and slowing down and appreciating your. Like that, the specific yeah. time that you're in. I, I felt like the you first know? one. For I, I, I agree. It had and a little I, heart, yeah. right? And and this movie is an action mm. film. I mean, they've really dispensed with a lot of the the sort of what you expect to be like the emotional core of a Pixar film is not so much there. It's really like a comedy adventure film, which normally I'd be fine with. I think the other problem they run into is is really like a design problem. It's just cars themselves they're just not that expressive they all look kind of the same they've got these very big clunky bodies that aren't mm -hmm. really malleable to to work with it hurts the sex scenes yeah <laughs> it really hurts the sex scenes i mean you get these scenes where like and i was i was saying this to walton he was making fun of me like i'm looking too deeply into a cars movie but there's a scene where michael kane is the like spy car is hovering on a wire on a ship over some other cars who are talking and you're like He's a car, like a car dangling <laughs> over your head by a few feet. You'd hear and see things. And he's a running car. He's like on. He's operating. And did John did John Lasseter direct this one? No, I think the, it was uh, another. He's, 
did he did he direct this one could, himself? Because yeah. John Lasseter, in all honesty, is one of my five guys in Hollywood who can do no wrong, and it sounds like this one is a little bit of a well, but that's, chink that's, in the armor. That's what I'm saying. Is to me, it's like by Pixar standards, this is a lesser effort. It's not right. the world building like their intense focus on the detail and the small little things about the world that you expect from a Pixar movie at this point is not there. That's why I think the DreamWorks comparison mm-hmm. is apt. It's more like that sort of colorful, bright, fun, harmless family entertainment, and this is that. This is not like right. a terrible film by any stretch, right. but it's just not. It's not up. It's not Ratatouille. It's maybe, not The Incredibles. Maybe a, a matinee. Would you put it sure. at like a matinee level? I mean, if level? you've got if you've got like young boys, especially, but any or young like kids, to be in their in their company, or you just like me enjoy yes. being around many yes. of them. Maybe when parents are distracted, it's life uh, <laughs> right? Then I, I would say you know they're they're gonna they're gonna love the hell out of this. I okay, mean, they're gonna dig it. The kids I that were in the theater that I saw it with loved it. So I, I for me it's it's not. Something like Up or Ratatouille or Toy Story 3 manages to do what this movie does and then also be on a whole other level of, of sort of working as a real movie. Mm-hmm. And this is not. But it's fine for what it is. Um, I went to see Bad Teacher, the Cameron Diaz movie, where yes. she's kind of a... Um, she's kind of a... A gold... What do they call them? The, 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 gold, the, digger. the gold digger. And right. she's a gold digger who is a teacher and in the opening of the movie... You see that she's been teaching a year at this high school, and she's engaged to be married to a wealthy man who immediately dumps her for being as uh, surface and facetious and um, superficial superficial as uh, she is. And she now has to return to the school and teach another year begrudgingly. And she's not too motivated to do it um, until she finds out that the teacher who... uh, aces gets the best score in the school uh for like the state exam gets a monetary prize she can then use Mm -hmm. for boobs and segue that into possibly a new husband and what a great setup for a for a fun summer comedy (laughs) teaching exams end of the year teaching that's our goal right i just like uh that a casting director got to tell cameron diaz we want you to play a character that eats bigger boobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cameron Diaz is, is not the problem with this movie. Cameron Diaz is really great, and Jason Segel is really great. And the, the girl who just got cast in Powers... Yeah, the girl uh, from Hot Fuzz. Yeah, well, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Lucy Punch. Lucy Punch. Which, fucking... That name! Yeah. I, mm, yeah. L- L- Lucy Punch was great in a movie that was just okay, which the, the one with Steve Carell from last summer. Um, from uh, dinner for dinner for oh dinner for schmucks dinner for schmucks yes, she was great in dinner for schmucks um, but in this one she 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 kind of plays the goody two shoes teacher who's uh, immediately up against Cameron Diaz's character and the movie just kind of feels a like a script that a lot of people have written you know uh, yeah. really clear goals which usually isn't a slight but it just stays at that level mm-hmm. of just kind of okay a to b to c to d there's not a whole lot of style to it the trailer plays like a movie that was made with a trailer in mind like there's a lot of that like sort of very direct like i need to get bigger boobs so i can find a man like yeah there's very direct focuses on set pieces right yeah right and this is the gag for this set piece and there are some sloppy parts to it Mm -hmm. there are parts where i was really surprised because jake kazan is a pretty competent director but Eye lines aren't matching up, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, there are weird dubs where the actor's voice, mouth, obviously isn't moving, <laughs> and things just aren't. It, it, whether it's the editor, whether it's the director, whether yeah. it, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm, I'm feeling like this movie was just kind of, come on, man, they, they they missed an opportunity to make 
a movie with just a little bit more style, like a, a Bad Santa or one of those comedies that surprises you in right. the summer. You know what I mean? One of those one of those kind of sleeperish, like a Bridesmaid. Yes, a, a movie that's right. a movie that you're like, okay, I can see how that could just be run of the mill, but it puts in that extra 10, 20% that really delivers it into something original, which people flock to. Yeah, it's interesting. Jake Kasdan, I love his debut, Zero Effect. I think mm-hmm. it's like one of the great little sort of forgotten indie movies of the 90s. Um, and then he did Orange County, which is right. similar. It's, it sounds like it's similar in some ways, where it's also like, eh, it's just a little loose. It's a little kind of sloppy. Yeah. If it was tighter, The movie's got two halves, you know? Like right, the, the movie yeah. kind of feels plotting. There are parts where I wanted this movie to wrap up. Just, yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't quite understand why they called Orange County Orange County, because it really had they lived Orange there, County. right? Yeah. But it wasn't an observation of the culture. You're right. It, no, it, 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 Orange well, County wasn't a character in a movie called Orange County, right? Like the yeah. like well, the most, they're, yeah. they're at Stanford for like at least half the movie mm-hmm. in that movie. They're not yeah. even in Orange County. Yeah, like for a they could have just called it Stanford. They should have called it visiting Cal- uh, Kevin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> visiting Kevin Klein with cameo. Harold Ramis is fat now. The movie. <laughs> but a good name because that was that's the one thing yeah, I re- that, that, that was the subtitle for year one that's my take, that was my takeaway from that movie is like what what Harold Ramis is fat now All so right. I would I would say that this movie isn't even a matinee I would say that this movie may be like a Sunday afternoon on you know cable TV you know there are a couple parts that you're yeah. actually going to enjoy it didn't have nearly enough Jason Siegel for my taste I think he's hilarious and he adds um, like a sincerity to it you know what's you know, he gets that, that one line in the trailer too. Yeah. That, That's the only argument I need, Sean. <laughs> he, It'll he, be he like the like memorable the, he, he was really into it. And Cameron Diaz is doing well. I thought but he was playing you. It's not working. Like, he, like, <laughs> really, I saw that and I'm like, is that, if that character's name is Jonathan Morgan, I do get pretty intense he was, with it. He, like, it just seemed what like are you, you talking about? You're a decent teacher that gets really fired up about certain things. As a teacher, I do uh, see some resemblance. I have been uh, known to call my entire class of graduate students knuckleheads at some point and been like dude what are you doing here I, I really don't care I get paid the same every hour <laughs> but some of these students are actually caring and are distracting them so go hang out in the hall right um, these are grown adults by the way I'm telling this to them. Oh, yeah, grad, grad <laughs> these are grad students these are these are the 12 year old sadly uh, here's some really sad news Peter Falk um, who was Columbo was also in uh you know, uh, Princess Bride, and, and we all loved him. Made spectacular in uh, that John Favreau movie. Made. <laughs> right, Peter Falk is—he uh, died at the age of eighty-four. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Eighty-two. Well, I, I read eighty-four, but there was—I I had seen eighty-two was through he sick eighty-four. Or what? He had been suffering well, he, from Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and dementia, so he didn't remember his age. And as he was <laughs> okay. Right, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> when were you born, sir? Uh, so what? I mean, were you a Peter Falk fan, Loved or like, Falk, what was yeah. what was the performance for you well, that was the epitomized? I Peter think Falk pe- people my age immediately go to Princess Bride, which right. was probably the first place I saw him. Also, as a kid, I loved that movie, The In Laws, which was a little mm-hmm. before my time. I think that was like seventy four, seventy five. Uh, I was born in 78, but Alan Arkin and, and Peter Falk, they remade it a few years ago with Albert Brooks and, and Michael Douglas, but see the original. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really great. The in-laws? The in-laws. Uh, okay. And also Cassavetes. I mean, he was in all of these amazing... That's the one for me. Classic Cassavetes there, There's a scene in Woman Under the Influence mm-hmm. where he, he, you know, his wife, uh, his, you know, is starting to lose it. He's taking the kids uh, to swim in the rock quarry where yeah, he works. Yeah, right. And on the way back, they're in a flatbed truck, and he's just drinking a beer. And the kid asks him if he can have a sip, and he's like, 
fuck it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the fight has just come He's out just of him. He's given up at that point. And yeah. he lets the kids pass around taking sips out of his beer can. And it is such a sad, poignant scene that that's the scene for me in the movie. Even though Debbie Reynolds gives a performance that is phenomenal, and I think they both were nominated for Gen- Gina Rollins. Oh, Gen- Gina Rollins. Yeah. That's right. It was Gina Rollins. Even though Gina Rollins is, you know, that's that's the performance of her career supposedly. Th- this scene in the back of the, the truck with Peter Falk and his kids. I will cry every time I see it. It's not just, cry like, but cr- not like right. terms of endearments it, cry, a, but just tear up at the honesty of it. It's a it, right. It's a small and it's an underplayed moment, and mm-hmm. that was that was one of his like sort of great skills was that he he doesn't go too big. He's there's a there's another great film he did an Elaine May film called Mikey and Nikki with Cassavetes, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's just like Cassavetes is like an addict in it and, and pretty big, pretty over the top, and and Falk is like the friend who just is always like helping him and by his side and. Yeah, he's got that same, like, just, he's so capable of projecting just defeat. Like, just mm-hmm. a person who's been just mentally defeated. And it's always, it's always small. It's always little, you know, sort of facial tics or It's not an oversell, you know right? what I mean? It's, it's, not, it's, not, like a, it's not like a Ron Howard push-up, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's right. It's not, you know, that, because that wasn't how those movies were being made. It wasn't. Confident. The movie wasn't yeah. hitting you over the head with it. It was up to the actors to, to really, like, express these these ideas without a lot of sort of dressing up. Mm-hmm. Can so, I bring up something that yeah, I've really hated for is that, it's a piece of garbage movie, but he's actually pretty funny. What Cookie is Romano. Cookie Romano? <laughs> you know what? The entire no. movie's garbage, but when Peter Falk's on, is well, on screen, you're just no. kind of like... You're not hating. You're not hating. You're not hating. And then you go away and you're like, oh, it's bad. You're not hating. I mean, I, I brought up May, too, because that, that is something... Like, Columbo, especially, too. Like, he had huge comic chops. I mean, the guy <laughs> oh, yeah. was funny and then knew how to play the comedy in a scene. And I really wanted more... Like, if Vince Vaughn and Peter Falk had done another movie together... Because their, their scenes in Made are just so funny where... Vince Vaughn's just a fuck up, and mm-hmm. Peter Falk's calling him on it constantly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's your PD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so and I quoted it the other day. We were talking about uh, fuck that that one line where he's like, "You stole my carpet cleaning van, <laughs> and I don't like you." <laughs> it's perfect, just nails it. Yeah, uh, such an underrated movie made. Made, I, I love it. I love that. Movie. I'd love to see John Favreau do one of those. I would love to see him you get know? back to something small, low key. Him and him and Vaughn just doing a little, mm-hmm. you know, improvisational kind of stuff. I, the, the, they're geniuses. At that. You've seen some stuff at the Los Angeles Film Festival this week. What have you seen, I buddy? I did. I did. I um, I saw three things at the Los Angeles Film Fest. One was Green Lantern, and uh, every time people ask me what have you seen at the film fest, I'm like Green Lantern. They're like, <laughs> Why? Why you. did you go to the film fest for <laughs> Green Lantern? <laughs> but no, it was actually uh, it was rather interesting. Um, we've talked about it, yeah. but I do have to say. I like the movie, but just Martin Campbell was just the wrong director. That's the you only so? problem I have with that movie. I think uh, another director could have handled it better. So we're moving on. Yeah. Uh, we've talked that movie to death. Uh, I love it, I, though. I, I, wow. I was so happy I took your advice and I went and saw Natural Selection. Mm-hmm. Natural Selection is... Mm-hmm. It, it, it right is up. going to win an Academy Award. Get out of here with that. It, it, it doesn't, no. I don't think it has Rachel, the, ba- the Rachel, marketing behind it. Rachel Harris deserves so much recognition for what she's done with that role. I love the film as much as everybody. Right? I, I, you know I'm a proponent of the film. I've been a proponent of the film for two plus years. You know? But it. I know what the movie was made for. I know what it's being marketed for. I, I God, I don't know. That distributor would have to knock it out of the park for enough to get behind it. Well, he, think about that. The Oscars are votes of peers. That, that, okay, here's the thing. I don't know if that I can, see if it's got an, 
<laughs> I, 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 you know what? Uh, Robbie Pickering and I, you guys know we're friends, but like a lot on the political end would have to happen, and we're talking like a hail's chance in hell for that thing to get an Oscar. But well, but when, when we when, oh I love I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. Natural Selection is fucking awesome, and she is giving a performance that is at least going to be as good as any of the top tier actresses. And I don't want to discredit Matt O'Leary. Matt O'Leary. Matt O'Leary is awesome too. Job, but. Like I, can, you got to see this movie, Lon. I got to say, I know. I, I, I've heard I, I, I can see other actors. It's fucking incredible fitting in with that Matt O'Leary character. He does an amazing job with it, but it's just I don't know. Like, Matt did a fucking awesome. He did job. amazing, but Rachel, I just I see that and mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't picture anybody else doing that. As I'm waiting in line for Natural Selection at the LA Film Fest, there's a a a, a woman, two people ahead of me, and she's very negative, like. Like, we're all kind of talking, we're all getting to know each other, yeah. and she's just like, I don't know if this is going to be any good, I just want to see it. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I look Do you at not her. watch Geekscape? You should have told her. Do you not watch Geekscape? Well, no, Jonathan I, loves this movie. No, there's a reason it she was swept like South this. by Southwest. She, there's a reason she was like this. You know how Rachel played the character oh. and did a great job? This was an actress that was up for it, and she basically was the character, and very sad. I was just like, did you like, did you listen to Robbie Pickering and I's conversation on I Ovation did, TV? I did, I and, did. and he talked and about I the actually, actresses he didn't he, go they with. They asked my question about how you found Rachel. Yeah, uh, but I also a couple times you didn't see the chat, but I'm like Jonathan, shut up and let Robbie talk. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that just happens with me. But no, it was pretty funny. I think it was a good conversation. Oh no, the people that were in the chat really enjoyed it, and I was actually very happy. We Ovation liked it. Escape. Ovation TV is going to have it up on their site. Yeah, and, and, together. And, and, I think I think we had a good balance. I don't think I talked too much, did I? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's just, you. There was one particular question where you, you, you're kind of. It, it, that's fine. No, 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 no. Take, give me notes. Give me notes. I, and we'll I will take. And I will take notes. If you guys ever see a Geekscape that is like that currently, like right now, I'm talking too much. Definitely let me know, guys. This is your show as much as it's mine. So that's, Please. that's natural selection we've talked about. I love the movie. Brian was great. We, we had a awesome. great time. Got to meet Tony Hale at the after party. We're going to hang out with him at Comic-Con. I'm really excited. Uh, but the other movie I saw, Attack the Block, is just mm-hmm. so good. Jonathan London is two for two on recommendations. Attack that's the Block is... <laughs> Your, your Critters reference is amazing because yeah, it's right yeah, on. Yeah, it's it's, too, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> and you're just like, and what's great is like, I watched so much BBC, like, I, ca- I could keep up with what how they were speaking. Because it's basically, Attack the Block is it, uh, these aliens land in. Uh, like Southern, South, South, London, South London. But it, it, it's, it's outer space meets. South Central, right? His gangsters. Have you read about this movie? I've read You're many things it. about it. I have not. Uh, I've not seen it, but it, it sounds right, right up my. We're going to be talking sure about this movie yeah. for probably the entire month leading up to. I'm down with it. I'm it's down. It's coming it. out the same day as Cowboys and Aliens, which oh, go see, go see Attack the Block. Yeah, totally. I mean, my Cowboys versus like, Aliens. No, no, do Gangsters versus Aliens. Dude, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And I think just, there's room for both gangsters and cowboys fighting aliens. From what I'm hearing, we should make well, cowboys from, versus gangsters. From what I'm hearing about, I'm in for that From too. what I'm hearing about cowboys and aliens, you're gonna want to see gangsters versus aliens. So, sorry, go, uh, go just, make go make another maid though. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I'd be fine with that. This is my put Harrison Ford in like a maid kind <laughs> of movie. There you go. It's know. very time. It's a very good time for this movie to come out because Super 8's come out. People are kind of open to these love letter type movies, and and they with the Tackle Block they made a love letter to the '80s monster movie. Yeah, the fucking critters, and it, baby. And it's great. Kill and, all Kreutz. And, <laughs> remember that but, shit? I do. I remember. And it's great it. because everybody's on the menu. Everybody's on the menu. Anybody yeah. can get yeah. can get eaten. 
And, and we're all co- and I was very cool with that aspect of it. But it, it's this great time because it does a couple of things that Super Eight did well. There were a couple moments in Super Eight where I really like I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. We've talked about yeah, this. I really like Super Eight. It's a good movie. But a big problem with Super Eight that I think I could see other people having is I've seen all these movies and I love all these movies. I can feel like if somebody hasn't seen the the if somebody hasn't read the cliff notes for all these movies, they might have missed a beat. I think Attack the Block does a much better job of being a love letter to these movies, but also you don't have to have seen these movies to appreciate mm-hmm. it. That's how I felt about Paul. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, let's get back to some news. Did you see these images of Martin Freeman as Bilbo? I did. Yeah. Thoughts. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it hmm. feels it feels right. It looks good. He looks like a hobbit. It, it yes. looks like it fits into the world. All that. Working. I just the one thing I, I can't get over about the Hobbit is how is it not going to be anticlimactic to go back and do two movies before Lord of the Rings when it's just it's so much less vital. When you see smog on that screen, I mean, it's going to be cool. It's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be cool. I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously, like they, no they matter cast Evangeline Lilly in it. I'll be there. I'll be in the yeah that one. I, She's I, an elf though. She looks like an elf. She looks like an elf. So I'm, hot a, elf? I'm a big Lost fan, but I don't know about Evangeline. No, I right. like what he's doing. He's pulling characters from Sherlock. He's pulling characters from being human. He's pulling characters from uh, actors. I mean, but to yeah. Lost. Like, guys, this this Bilbo image. It's a great. It's it a great looks image. like the images we were watching Freeman, back in two thousand of yeah. him shooting Lord of the Rings. Freeman looks like exactly like he fits in Bag End. He fits in the setting. Like I, you know, I mean, I'm the sure the Hobbit it's is my. Be. It's my favorite. I'm sure. It, it, no, it, it works. It, it totally works. Great. I am and so down. I, I just, I, it's weird to do Lord of the Rings first and then go back. Because I, I feel like, you know, you'll get the same, like, the Star Wars prequel thing of like, oh, that's where the ring came well, from. You, and, you're oh, not bringing right. that up. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be. We're talking about Peter Jackson here. You don't trust well, him. Well, here's the thing. No, here. here like, well, like, come on. Peter Jackson up until about the three quarters of the way through Two Towers Point. Totally with it. Love everything. The you think guy the other t- parts get a little long or what? Don't lo- didn't love Return of the King as much. I feel like he left a lot of the really important stuff out, mm-hmm. um, and that a, the lot of the, too many endings. What about the extended editions that are being it's, available it's, now it's, in Blu-ray? You know, it's, it's a little it's a Does little that fix better. It? Not 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 entirely. Okay. I think he misses a lot of Gondor. I think he screws up Gondor mm-hmm. and that that segment of the book, and that really impacts the the impact of the ending for me. And also, I didn't like the the army of the dead i didn't think that effect looked great it just felt like he kind of lost his way towards the end and then king kong is like i'm sure there's a great 75 minute movie in there i <laughs> love the king. King. i like and king then, kong and then lovely bones i feel like the less lovely the bones less said the better uh, I, 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 I there's you know no momentum well in that i love the king kong my kids loved uh Lovely, uh, bones? lovely bones. Oh, that it, it, yeah, but Twilight it, kids love Twilight. That movie's brutal, man. <laughs> it tested so well with teenagers. the the thing with this. I liked the King Kong, but let me tell you, man. Like his, I mean, Dead Alive is one of the most important movies in my. I love I library. love early Peter Jackson. I love Dead Alive. I love Heavenly Creatures. I love the. I was the big defender of the Frighteners when everybody was hating on it. Meet the Feebles. I lo- meet the Feebles. All of it. That's Bad why. taste. Love it. All of them. Yes. That's why it was so. Yes. Every literally everything he did until towards the end of Two Towers, I was like, yes. But everything after Helm's Deep and Two Towers, I was like, "Mm." well, Peter, Return of the King, and now so he's he's in a little he's in a little bit of a trench, but I'm I'm waiting for him to pull himself out, and I'm hoping to love The Hobbit. I really am. I'm so into it. I'm looking for. Hobbit does have an independent story to it. I mean, it, it's yeah. not like it's telling. Yes, telling there are just trolls and shit. The they're, they're, they turned to there stone. There are, but it, Hobbit is like your first glimpse. Like 
this character from the Shire is getting his first look at like the larger world of Middle Earth, and now we've explored Middle Earth up and down. Like the it, Middle. But Lord we barely, is so much bigger. But we barely on. explored the Shire. It would be like taking the really huge no, climactic story, and then you go back and like let's try to blow up this original story. What that if was it's not a, as with a little character movie and stuff like that? Like it's gonna be have have sure. those. It's gonna have those beats, you know. Sure. Because, because, would... because the one thing is, Lord of the Rings was an ensemble, and even though you have a lot of Frodo and this and that in it. It still is an ensemble movie. This is yeah. an, an ability to focus on one character if I, in his exploration if I of a bigger he, world. If I thought he was going to turn The Hobbit into a sort of like a smaller scale, like a character, a more intimate story set in the world of Middle Earth, I would be really excited about that. But okay. I don't think he can Peter, do that. Peter, call me. You got me on speed dial. I don't think he can do that because I think he's built up audience expectations now right. with like the War of the Ring. But, but he can focus on this he character in these, in these dwarves. He did do yeah. Heavenly Creatures, okay. yes. If, he, awesome. if he were to Love do, it. If he were to do a very... When I see Heavenly Creatures, that's almost kind of what I want The Hobbit to be. Such a, a small, intimate movie right. where it's like with these nice fantasy pieces. That's what I wanted the Dead Girl movie to be. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought Lovely Bones was going to be more like Heavenly yeah. Creatures too. But that's what I said. Like, if, can he get away with that? Will audiences accept that from him when he's returning to this world? I think the expectations are high enough with Peter Jackson doing another Lord of the Rings well, I'm movie. I'm with you on the King Kong. That, that he's cool. going to have to make it like You huge. want to come over and like watch it with me? I've got both King Kongs. We can watch the original and then we can watch the, uh, back, back the cover back. album. Yeah, I got, I got nothing to do for All the right. next eight. Eight to twelve. Okay, we'll do that, and then we'll watch extended so, editions of, of Lord of the Rings. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sleepover. Just, yeah, it'll be fun. Can we? Can we? Uh, can we make him in like even more slow mo so it takes longer? Like yeah, especially the, especially especially the King Kong like like um, ice skating. Yes, right. The That's whole the last same. hour of that in like double slow mo. Um, guys, casting news: Julia Ormond, uh, who I love in the English Patient, she's amazing, and in Blue. Uh, Superman's mom uh, for um, yeah Russell Russell Crowe's husband Russell Crowe's husband she's gonna play Superman's mom in Man of Steel uh, which is gonna be I mean my buddy's making the movie so I'm excited about it uh, we've also got Seth Gordon who we've interviewed years ago on uh, Geekscape he did King of Kong the documentary uh, he's and horrible for, bosses in, in a couple weeks. he's up for the uh, adaptation of War Games which they're remaking War Games I know I know Walton <laughs> well Walton hate to break this to you. They're not like taking your DVDs out of your home. Well, no, 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 no. They already made remade war games. A bunch of kids remade it with Sony like uh, two months ago, but they, it's gonna happen. They, like, they, remade, they remade war games and called it a sequel two years ago. Yeah, yeah, you're like, right, you're like, right, you're right. And then Eagle Eye was a remake of uh, war yeah. games. It was like, what, what was the combination you said? North by Northwest is the other movie. Yes, yeah, North by Northwest. You could say remaking. Games. I would say maybe ripping off, right. but you know. It's, no, 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 no. Hold on. It's a love. Letter. It's an homage. Well, he did, <laughs> well, well nineteen that, people worked on Eagle Eye, so that's that <laughs> DJ Caruso. He did. He did what Disturbia, which was I like DJ not Rear Window, and then yeah. he's doing this one, which is like not North by Northwest. It's like, come on, man. I mean, De Palma, and then he made um, De Palma already ripped off all the Hitchcock and, movies and in I, the seventies and eighties. And then he made <laughs> I Am Number Four, which is not, not the X Men. <laughs> yeah, which is not, which no, is well, not good. I Am Number Four is is like super bad. Is very similar. He's an Not alien, and he comes to this head planet, and suddenly he's got crazy powers. You can't tell anybody. Well, the one thing I, I really did want to see uh, DJ Caruso's um, Peter Black Glass Man. I really did because it's. I mean, I love Black Glass Man, like, but capable. I'm neither here nor there on seeing a movie adaptation or a TV adaptation of that. Yeah, I feel we like... are getting 100 bullets though. They, like yeah. news wise, yeah. we're getting uh, Azarello's uh, and um, uh, I'm blanking on the writer. Azarello and the artist. Um, Who's the artist? Sorry. Ugh, fuck. <laughs> Brian Azzarello's 100 Bullets is being adapted by Showtime and David Goyer. So, 
I'm worried about the David Goyer aspect. Yeah, I, I, mean, I like him. I think he's capable. He's a little inconsistent, but inconsistent. when but when he comes up with something good, it's it's great. <laughs> Dracula hiding behind a baby. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's Dracula like, hiding behind a baby in Blade Three comes yeah, to well, mind. Well, the entire like, film, Blade Three. It's a bit put, yeah. All the iPod stuff in Blade Three is so cheesy. Mm. Like, oh, I kill vampires while I'm listening to like my you know iPod. It's like, oh god. Yeah, because they, they can't jump on you. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, because why would we not want all our faculties like, when we're fighting vampires? Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing cool about that sequence at all. Um, speaking about comic books, Gene Cullen, a famous artist for Conan and uh, Tomb of Dracula and Daredevil, has died. Um, that's kind of sad because, uh, like uh, many of you who love the 80s and 70s uh, runs on Daredevil, he was the quintessential artist, and you can see his influence in places like Frank Miller's work. Um, that is really sad to, to, to read that he's passed away. Um, were, were you familiar with any of his artwork? I mean, through things like yeah, Tomb not, of Dracula or any of those? I just remember. So, not so much. That was a little before my time sort of really getting into comic books. Do you not go to, do you, as a kid, because we were born the same year, did you right. go to like comic conventions and things no, like I, that? No, I, you know, I liked, I liked X-Men comics as a mm-hmm. kid, and then my brother got very into like Fantastic Four Silver Surfer, so I read a lot of that stuff. Um, and I loved, I always loved, like, shows and, and cartoons with superhero stuff. But I, I was not a really heavy uh, comic reader until maybe later, like, more mm-hmm. like high school and college. I started getting more into it. As a kid, um, late 80s, early 90s, my dad would always take me to, like, the, the Ramada Inn, like, comic conventions, right? Where <laughs> right, it, it yeah. was just, like, you know, basically their banquet hall. Always, and their you know, like, I liked comic books as a kid, yeah. but I was always, like, intimidated by that, like, sort of hardcore fandom. I always felt right. like... Well, these are collectors, and these people are appreciating it on a level I'm not. I always thought like I was just a kid who liked to read the stories. I'm picturing you yeah. as like six. You appreciate this at a level I don't know. I can. It's true. He's, I was, he's like I was, he's like reaching for something. No. I was intimidated by like no. I, I was intimidated by like nerdy fandom as a kid. It's totally true. Um, because I love, but that's where I, I saw loved, all these like, things. I yeah. loved movies as a kid. Like right. I loved all this stuff as a kid. I loved video games. I loved comics. I loved movies and TV. But I always thought like. Oh, I was just, you know, like, a, I, I wasn't, like, an expert on right. any of it. I was just, like, a kid who liked stuff. But there was, was a place for you. I mean, like, oh, like I, I would go to these conventions, and I would just be, like, I want to see read X-Men stuff. You know what I mean? Like, X-Men yeah. was my thing. and But a lot of these Tomb of Draculas and Daredevils and stuff were there, and that's when I would see Gene Cullen's art. Like, those were the places where I first started seeing, like, Frank Frazetta and to be like, oh, my God, breasts. And, and so, <laughs> right, like, yeah. like, those are the first places where those like Ramada Holiday Inn like Banquet Hall comic cons you know and and now that we have these super cons those kind of places seem you know what I mean like it, I don't know if that's a positive or negative but some of these like weekly local cons are starting to go by the wayside or right. be, just become more exclusive or, or smaller and so like Comic Con as sort of the Walmart of the conventions like, I think it, so it's so big that it's sort of but now you're hearing, yeah, well, but but those are, I mean, Walmart's are never that. Comic Con's more the Macy's. Yeah, well, um, I mean, with the with the San Diego Comic Con now, it, it's almost felt like it's it's hit a point where now you're hearing about Marvel Studios not doing a Hall H presentation this year, but that's and, a and things like call. that. That's a Disney call, and we're actually going to be covering D twenty three. I just got my media. Credit Fantastic. And, yeah, they're they're going to try to shift all their promotional stuff to their own in house convention. Yeah. yeah, and that's fine. I'm into that. They're um, still going to be on the floor. It's just they're 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 saving the big surprises for their own thing. Um, I, I well, what I was gonna say about Lon being intimidated as a kid, I think that they're, I think that cons are now like they they swung the pendulum into the mega cons, 
And now I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more of a swing back to grab some of those kids who aren't just a fan for the summer but become lifetime yeah. fans mm-hmm. because you're right you have you if 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 it's too nerdy and too like into it, if it's too yeah, much like a, like a club yeah. then then you're going to lose the kids if it's just too honestly, you're going to you got to find that balance right. where where yeah. it's about them as individuals, yeah. right? You're gonna the get DC that. DC reboot is for you. Mike. The right, DC reboot is for you. Inviting in the new, the new fans. <laughs> right. Don't don't say that. I'm gonna get angry letters now. Oh, um, you know what's interesting what is uh, his his runs on Daredevil and his runs on Conan. His runs on it. It always feels like his particular runs are always something that other people are trying to recapture. Yeah. And, and like that's very like and you get that with like the Stan Lee yeah, like Fantastic Four like, people who are come after them. Like yeah. they're, they're like it's just always something. It's like okay, this is great. Let's try this. All right, this didn't work. All right, well, let's go back to this. Mm-hmm. All right, let's try this. No, this didn't work. Let's go back to this. It's like it, it's it's they did it right for such a consistent period of time that now it's like, well, what do we do? We need to we need to do something crazy and weird. And, it's like, and everyone on Daredevil is trying to do either him or Frank Miller's run. And it's just like, I was listening to Bendis today on a, there's a, Sirius has a show called My Geek Time, and Bendis was talking about uh, how in the Ultimate Universe they're killing Peter Parker. It's like, and they're like, oh, like Marvel was really brave about this and like, 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 you know, gave us the permission to kill Peter Parker. I'm like, you know, and this is real. We're not bringing him back. This is damn like it's the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> yeah. Like you could kill the like, Ultimate Universe and nobody like, would care. Like no, like it's the Ultimate Universe. It it still doesn't count, dude. Like it's, it's this isn't the Peter Parker that we love. This is a Peter. It's like, it's like killing Spider Man 2099. Right. Oh, we are cares? really going to kill. <laughs> Electra in the Ultimate Universe, like dude, fucking kill Electra in the main universe. Like <laughs> Electra's been pseudo dead for like six years, you know. Well, and it's oh, I mean, at this point, it's you can't, you know. Oh, we're gonna kill them, and they're never coming back. It's like, well, in the well, in the Ultimate we'll Universe, see. I believe we'll he's see. not coming back. Yeah, but sure. you know what? How many more years does the Ultimate Universe have on it? You know what I mean? Like. It's a really good limited series. Well, that's yeah, still that's going they're gonna on. totally reboot it. Uh, I, uh, We're rebooting. DC's rebooting Marvel's Ultimate one, one, Universe. One thing he said that was kind of <laughs> one thing he said that was kind of interesting was a handful of years ago when he did the whole uh, Avengers disassembled thing. Um, he was like, "I'm gonna kill Hawkeye." And everybody was like, "Yeah, okay." Man. Today they can't make that decision because Hawkeye well, is a linchpin in films. Renner, right? <laughs> like you can't, you can't, we can't kill Hawkeye yeah. now. And and that was the similarity he was giving to. Killing Ultimate Spider-Man is because it's Peter Parker. Because oh. it's Spider-Man, they wait, really wait. had to go through a lot of but stuff. But they brought—that's a bad argument because they brought back Hawkeye. Then they bring back Hawkeye, right? <laughs> right. And now everyone talks like Hawkeye in the Avengers books. Brian, uh, <laughs> Brian, Mister Bendis, can we uh, maybe change that? Uh, real quick, guys, Geekscape is here in LA. Heidi Hilliker, you're all in love with her. Uh, we love her. She is in a play called D is for Dog. If you guys are in LA over the course of the next month. Um, it is playing. It is a, what? It's like a puppet show. Like what it, is this? It's, it's a it's a combination play and puppets. Uh, it, it's a and lot she's a like, puppeteer. It's like a serious Avenue Q. Like, it's like, serious. So it's puppets. Puppets like hand puppets or puppets like, like marionette. Wow. Puppet like her. She's actually working the puppet. Like oh my whoa. Like, like doing like this being John Malkovich stuff. stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And it's called D is for Dog. If and you guys want information on it. Rogueartist.org is where you find out where the theater is and ticket prices. I think the tickets are like fifteen bucks or something. Like go to Rogueartist.org and check that out and support Heidi, especially if you guys are going to be in LA in the next month. I think it plays through most of yeah, July. It, it's actually uh, if you're going to be in San Diego for Comic Con, 
take the three hour drive up to LA. <laughs> you know, come come a day early. Yeah. Come to LA or stay a day later. Come up to LA. Or wait, it's on a weekend? Yeah, it's on a weekend. Come a week early. Thursday. <laughs> come a week early, stay a week later. Come watch the play. I think that's really cool. So Heidi, awesome job on the on the play. He got a write up on in what like the LA, LA Times, LA Times. and like, they complimented. They said her uh, the puppets were unforgettable. So wow, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, great job, Heidi. We're really proud of you. Um, let's talk video games. Um, I have been playing Zelda on my 3DS way too much this week i know i always talk about how i'm busy and i'm uh, in meetings and things like that the 3ds has kind of become my... i don't have time to talk to you walton no it, here, here, <laughs> here, 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 here's the problem wally is you know something like la noir i've kind of fell off on like so the ps3 stuff or the 360 mm-hmm. stuff i've kind of fallen off or uh nintendo did something really fucked with the 3ds that is really just like dirty pool they Gave you an incentive to take it with you. There's a street pass thing oh, yeah. where you put it in your pocket and you walk around and you earn coins and shit for walking. Oh my god, really? And so you want That's to take insidious. it with you. Not only that, if you if you pass other people who have a 3DS, your me's talk to each other and give each other presents. The only way to get those presents to unlock more things is to pass people. Like today, I was at the gym, right? Wow. Not just a piece of shit. It's like a video game version of cruising. I was yeah. I was I was I was. <laughs> now I was, if you keep a yellow yeah, DS crazy. in your right yeah, yeah, yeah. pocket. <laughs> They have like the handkerchief code. Right. <laughs> this morning I went to the Y, and even though I didn't expect to see anybody at the Y with a 3DS, I put it in my pocket to get the pedometer going so that I could get some coins to fight ghosts and shit in the game and buy, buy things, right? So I go to the gym, which is the antithesis of playing video games, and I have the thing on me, and when I came home, the little green light's on, someone at the fucking gym had their 3DS and was doing the same thing. And it's like, you've met Jamal. And, and this little me comes on, I'm like, Holy shit. And this isn't like a 12-year-old at the gym. This is like a, a guy like me. He's like in his 20s or 30s. He's got a 3DS at the fucking that gym. Really, I wonder why. Like, why did they want they want you to just take it around so you just get addicted to this device? And so, so here's like, the that's thing, their Wally, plan? Well, no. It's this, free advertising. If you carry it around, people are going to see you with this it. Past, the past three, four months have just been on an insane level. I've never been this busy, and I'm loving it. And it's just been great. But I still take the 3DS with me. So if I'm like in North Hollywood or something, stuck between meetings, or I'll sit down to get like breakfast or, or get a lunch, and I'll play the damn thing. And so I've been playing the Zelda Ocarina of Time. And I, I first played through the Ocarina of Time yeah, say, in like it, 2000. It's the same game, right? It's, it's the same game. It's the same game. It's got much better graphics, and yeah. it just feels so much better on a portable system, especially in places like the Water Temple, where you had to continually go into your item screen turn off your boots, turn on your boots. Remember those boots yeah. that would help you sink? Yeah, yes. the, it's the, so much better on the 3DS. The game. It's so much better on the 3DS where you just tap a touch screen button and the boots are off. Or the the added abilities to uh, of the touch screen help the game a lot. On top of that, it just feels more intuitive to play it on a portable system. It looks phenomenal with the 3D. They've redone the graphics. Not really the sound, but the graphics... I'm addicted to it, and I can play it in 15-minute spurts here and there. Yeah, you know, and it's been great. That is that that's been my crack this week, which is sad. Um, <laughs> I got all, my cracks been this week. Crack, crack. crack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Every uh, morning. Well, I you say you've been playing Ellie Noir. I have. Well, I, I, I've been. It's Tell a, me, it's a frustrating experience, Ellie Noir, because there's there's stuff that's great in it. There's moments that are great, but I, it's like. 
in some ways the most boring video game ever made. Like they're not even really trying to to, to suck you in. It is a police procedural. It is a police procedural Strictly. film. And you, every once in a while, get to, like, make suggestions. It would be like if Law & Order stopped every ten minutes and, like, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> that guy? We didn't and you're like, eh, I think it was that guy. And then he's like, fuck but you, you're but, but you, but oh, you're like, like, but, but still, you're liking the game. Well, I'm playing through it, so there, right. there's something. There's something they've got me. Because I'm almost done. I'm at the, I'm, in, I'm no, already don't, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. I'm liking it. Oh, okay. I, I'm an arson, too. I'm an arson investigator. Yes. So you know you're in the last, like, bunch. I am. Uh, but I did go and, re- and download a bunch of new cases. Yes, they they are they are expanding the world. But so so I'm playing through it. It is you know as far as games I think have gone in terms of this like capture very cinematic qualities to gaming and make it feel like an interactive film. Um, but at the same time, it's just it's not fun like video games mm. are supposed to be fun. Like me trying to gauge whether a cartoon character is lying to me or not is not something I usually associate with like video gaming. Right. It's not as compelling as a Mario game or a Zelda game or even like, you know, a, a Portal 2 kind of game. I, I think it does appeal to the completionists in all of us because I, I, I'm getting like, I've only got a five star on one case and I'm mm-hmm. like, I do kind of want to go back and see if I can do a better job of that case. But knowing that, but the problem is at the end of the case, I know how many clues I missed. I know that I got X questions wrong right, with certain you, that's people. The, the question like, thing is, you really I, can't replay it. I can go back, and when I replay it, I know all the answers. Right, it, exactly. it's, it's basically turned into its own walkthrough. Right. You, you once, once you play through it once, you know the story. And even just knowing the story, knowing what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. makes it easier to get through the case. The whole thing is like, you know, you have to discover where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, my, so wife, yeah. well, my wife loves watching it, though. It's re- it, it, I think I've said this before. It's replaced Netflix in the house because it has that narrative yeah, to no, it. Yeah, my, my girlfriend and we is love completely Mad Men. following the story. Like, I'll start playing. She's like, wait, when did you catch that guy? <laughs> like, she totally knows what's going I on. Can't, I don't play it without her, which has also helped my discipline. When she's not home... Home, I'm not playing it. I'm writing, which is fucking great. And uh, no, <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, helpful, yeah. no video games made me do that. Like usually, like she's not home. I'm writing for a little bit, and then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go play that game, and I go play the game. No, I can only play when she's home. She's invested in it. And last week in the car, she goes, I kind of miss Cole. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, this is bad. We had a- this is bad. Because yeah. she is not into video games, <laughs> and she's now missing a character. We, we had, crazy. We, we had a nice experience on the way home where uh, he he drives me home sometimes. Mm-hmm. Most of, most days we carpool. Is that your dates? No. Right. Oh, work, work. Got it. We Got work it. Together. We go to we go to work and then you know if there's a fair in town we'll <laughs> go drinks. check it out. I'll go. I'll win him a a Cupid doll, get some cotton candy, and then I'll drive him home. Yeah. That's not. I, I'm jealous of you. Yeah, no, I'm he jealous. walks through the door. He's just jealous. Yeah, it's oh, always take, I always take my hat You're off. You're great, man. Yeah. But been great. It, it was really cool because I uh, I haven't played the game, and from two people now, you did it, and now Lon's done it. But you've both just been like. The street hasn't changed much in the years. <laughs> well, because that's the great part is, <laughs> if you know L.A. really well, it is super fun because it's like an interactive uh-huh. map of 40s L.A. So you get to see like, oh, those Pacific antenna towers are still there. They were there in the it 40s. It gets worse. <laughs> I'll tell you how bad this has gotten. My wife recently tore a meniscus in her knee at work, right? Big Yanks, feel free to send get well cards. Um, he's in love with my wife. And he should be. She's phenomenal. But the... The the workers' comp doctor is downtown, and there are mm-hmm. so many old 1930s, 1940s buildings yeah. downtown. So we'll, we'll I got to drive her downtown to this doctor, right? And we'll see these old palatial, old palaces, yeah. all, all these old like 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 buildings that are LA noirish, 
And as we're passing them, my wife will go, hey, look. And then she'll go. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the little like sound that happens when you go up a level or you, when you pass like a landmark or something. Right, that's, it's, the, go, it's the like, there's something. And yeah. I was like, did you just do that? And she's like, <laughs> oh my god. And, and now I have to drive with a boner. <laughs> it, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to actually probably buy that game or play that game until I get a girlfriend. Just because of the experience. <laughs> it, 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 it's fun. I, I, I'm liking it. And you know what? I'm not expecting it to tailor itself towards other gaming needs because went to E3, love the idea of the Wii U, love the idea of Arkham City. Those games are going to come soon enough. I'm going to enjoy this game for the, the few things that it does amazingly well. Yeah. And there will be other games to satisfy those other it urges. Is, it is a novelty on, on that level. And, uh, you know, it... it, it, it I, I do enjoy that, but I, I do feel like there is a way to make Portal 2, I think, which I just mm-hmm. played before this, is an example of how you can take very narrative elements. You can take humor, and you can mm-hmm. take narrative, and you can build it into a game that also feels like a game and feels interactive in that way instead of Eleanor, which is like, watch a five-minute scene and then like, you're lying, Walter Bishop, and then you don't <laughs> do anything else for like three, four minutes. You know? Um, and I also like driving. I'm still trying to get that trophy where you go over like 80 miles an hour. <laughs> and so my wife was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting just, a trophy. There's so a couple, I'm driving like I'm crazy. There's a couple good straightaways <laughs> yeah. that I've gotten close. you know. But, uh, um, speaking of speed real quick, uh, I downloaded the demo for Sonic Generations on my PS3. Mm-hmm. This is supposedly the best swing Sega's gotten it. Uh, system for going back to the old school Sonic games. If you guys are on PS3 or, or the 360, you guys can download the demo right now. It is the Tree Hill Zone, which is the first zone in any Sonic game, and I think they got to get away from it. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot like playing Sonic back in 1991. It's phenomenally... It looks gorgeous. It looks like a phenomenal Sonic game. It plays just like the Sonic game from 1991. That can either be a positive or a negative, depending on where you came, are coming well, from. Sonic 4 played just yeah, like that. For, for me, yeah. it's just not... Uh, it, it, the Sonic franchise is stuck in a really tough situation. Mario's been able to, fix, uh, to, to adapt. Sonic still is stuck in this situation where... It, it's try, it, it, every time it tries to develop something new, a new aspect, it fucking falls on its face. Yeah. You know See, what I mean? disagree. I thought Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 were very Sonic Adventure's solid awful. movies. Movies? No, <laughs> so, Sonic Adventure... The, Dream the anime. Song, the anime. Yeah. Dreamcast yeah. 1 is awful. It plays like a dump truck. Uh, you can download them now on Xbox uh, Live. And Walton, you're not going to be able to play through this game. It's, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. And there are parts I, I mean, in the game where I'm like falling through the floor map and I'm like... Nobody fixed this in the adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, it's been so long. I think they never had their Super Mario World. That right. N64 Mario game came out and made it like, it's 3D now and you're exploring that, yeah. these environments. It's Mario 64, yeah. Right, and that, that was like, yeah, that's the Super right. Mario that's World right. is in Super NES. Yeah, you're right. That, you're right. Super, uh, Taking your card away. 64 right. is the one I mean. And uh, that one, like, it took the whole franchise to that next level and it really made it adaptable mm-hmm. for next generation consoles. It just made the franchise makes sense in that sort of world sonic never had that every time they tried to do that like expand the the sort of world that you're in or give it a different kind of control it falls flat on its it face just it just diluted it yeah I mean, but even they, now you have nintendo making things like new super mario brothers wii that is 2d right and it works so what's the situation um guys we are 
getting the sign that we're rocking through the episode. If you want to keep this conversation going on all the so- topics that Lon and I and Walton and I and uh, all of us have been talking about this last hour, go to geekscape.net and talk to us there. Also, guys, Ranker. We've got two Ranker employees here in the room. Go to Ranker and submit your lists for whatever you want. Best Keanu Reeves moment. It's been taken, but maybe Yeah, that one's it. been spoken for. Don't do it. <laughs> but go to Ranker.com, sign up for an account, start making your own uh, top lists you can share on all your different social networks. And, of course, go again to Geekscape.net and hang out with us there on Geekscape. You can also look for us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Search for Geekscape. Join us. Uh, hang out with us. We'll be on the road to Comic-Con here. And we want to see you guys in San Diego. It's going to be a lot of fun. Lon. And uh, July 5th. July 5th. What do we got? Comedy show. We got a comedy show in Burbank, July 5th, at Mike's Bar and Grill on Olive. Walton will be emceeing. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys, if you're in LA, come to that and then go for, to D for Dog. Um, Lon, it's been awesome having you on yeah, the couch. The couch Thanks is yours when anytime you want to come back. I love a knowledgeable geek who's also enthusiastic. This <laughs> I, is awesome. I do what I can. Cool. Is that is that to is it to crash on as well as to be on the show or is it just just for the show? Whatever you need. All right, awesome. right. Yeah. You're a brother now. You just had uh, a cast of Eddie's conversation, and yeah. the other person wasn't like. No, I, I, well, I have the, I, I have the Cassavetes box set, mm-hmm. and I've loaned it out, and I'm still trying to get the guy to give it back to me. <laughs> so you get sucked in by that. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. All right, with some Transformers three. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, no. No, they won't see us next week. Oh, you, oh, you won't. I'll be in Austin. Okay, no, got it, got it. We'll, we'll film. We'll try. To we'll film something. do you something. Lied to work. I did. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Um, I saw Green Lantern yesterday. Uh, it was wonderful. My question for you is. Uh, Lara, Kilowog, Mongo, Orissa, we got to see a lot of different lanterns and get their backstory. What made you choose those lanterns? Um. God, I don't even know. It's a blur at this point. It was uh, it was a collaborative process with with, with myself and Alan Burnett and uh, the folks at Home Video and um, Jeff Johns, who consulted with us on this, uh, who's like the big Green Lantern guru these days. Um, I'm not exactly sure how we picked these specific, you know, individual characters. I mean, the Mogo one was obvious because that's like a, a really famous story in the in, in the comics, um, and it's kind of a, a, a real fun Shaggy Dog story in its own right. Um, the other characters, I, I think, focusing on the, the the very first lantern, I think that's kind of a, a, a kind of a an obvious choice. It's like kind of like, well, yeah, like, who wouldn't want to find out about the first Green Lantern? Um, and and Arisha is just an interesting character. You know, we wanted, we definitely wanted to have a a rookie type character who wasn't Hal. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't I don't know. Were there any characters that got kind of like left in the scrap pile that were maybe going to have a story? Um, not so much. Not that I know of. No. Are these the characters that are going to be focused on in the upcoming animated series? Uh, some of them. Uh, Kilowog, uh, who has a, a spotlight story in this movie, um, he plays a huge part in the animated series and in the, in the, the CG series upcoming this fall. Um, he and he and Hal kind of have a uh, kind of a um, a Danny Glover, Mel Gibson kind of a relationship, kind of a lethal weapon kind of relationship. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a great character. That's great. Um, I, another question I had was, why, what was the decision behind having different animators and different writers for each story? Um, well, actually, we didn't have different animators this time. Uh, we did have different writers and different directors, um, but the overall visual style of the movie is a little bit more consistent than what we did with Batman Gotham Knights. Um, basically, just I, I love Gotham Knights, and that was the thing that was really exciting to me about it, was being able to see six radically different in visual interpretations of Batman. But it was a nightmare to coordinate. It was really, really difficult. So um, this time we wanted to go at least with a, a common visual framework for the, for the entire thing. 
I'm here with Alan. He is one of the writers on Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Uh, which section did you write? I wrote the bookends, uh, the beginning and the end, and the uh, the interconnecting material between all the stories. There's about a half a dozen stories in there. And I wrote it with a guy named uh, Todd Casey, who is a uh, staff writer at uh, Warner Brothers. And, uh, and all the other, and I just coordinated getting all the other scripts in. I, I, I supervise the scripts on all the DTVs at Warner Brothers right now. So it sort of was logical that it fell to me to do the interconnecting material. You must be really busy. You know, it was busy, and it was, you know, I was dealing with writers in New York and writers in Los Angeles and writers in Europe, well, Dave Gibbon, and, uh, and uh, so it was, um, it was, it was, uh, putting it together was quite a puzzle. I bet. So all the parts that are happening, like with Arissa, those are the parts you wrote, or mostly? Yeah, the parts with Arissa and, and the uh, attack of, the last attack, which they did quite well, because um, it's not... If you when you see this, uh, things are happening on a gigantic planetary scale, and it's tough to bring that off. And I thought that the artists and the animators did a beautiful job on that. What made you choose Arissa to be the the rookie voice that we follow? We just like her, and I think I and I think Jeff John said use her, and uh, we were happy to do so. You know this. Some of the, uh, we did a, something called Green Lantern First Flight a few years ago, and she played. She was in the background, but she sort of popped out, and so we were we wanted to use her again. And though the, uh, these, uh, this is a different sort of story from First Flight. I'm not even sure that it all connects. Um, it wasn't meant to really. Uh, you, re, you know, she, she's she she worked well then, and she works really well in this. And the artist seemed to know how to draw her. She's very sweet. Yeah, she has a nice look. She looks very, um, very similar to the comics. I feel, and there was like an innocence captured about her. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. And she, she just pops. So. I feel like um, this film was kind of like an introduction for a lot of people who aren't uh, existing fans of Green Lantern or know the backstory. Um, did you have any say in picking which Green Lanterns were going to be focused on? You know, people have been asking me, how did this come together? And it's, it came together first with the writers. I think we went to the writers that we wanted to use. I knew, you know, we knew we wanted to use the Mogo story. And uh, the others sort of just evolved. So that, um, and it evolved nicely in that the characters that were chosen and picked, they started, they started to fall into a sequence. And you, we start with the first lantern, we go to their, their training, then we go to... Uh, their family life, and then we go to the Mogo story, and then we end up with um, the way the lanterns are now, almost taking us into the blackest night. And so there's a progression that it, that w that worked out well, and it just fell into place. It really did. I mean, we all watched it yesterday. Um, I saw the screening from our company, and it was just, it had a nice flow, and each story kind of had its own um, independent feeling, and even though I was talking to Bruce, and he was saying that the artists are all the same, I feel like that even the art had a slight variation. Um, how important was that to you coordinating all the writing for each, each story to have its own individual voice? Well, we wa I wanted to maintain the voice of the individual writers, uh, you know. There's always a massaging that you do so everything fits in, you know, and page-wise and all that. Uh, but I, uh, I did, I, we went to these guys, so let's let them sing, you know? Hey, Geekscapists. This is Heidi. I'm here with Jeff Johns, producer and writer on Green Lantern Emerald Knights. 
Um, so we all got to screen the movie yesterday, and what I'm really interested in knowing, uh, number one, is why did you pick the Green Lanterns that you chose to focus on throughout the story? Uh, well, Alan, when Alan Burdett called me um, and talked to me about the project, he said, we're going to do all these different stories, and he asked me which, which characters I'd like to tackle. And so it really wasn't... Um, you know, we brainstormed a little bit about the characters, but really it was, I had a story to tell, that I want to tell between Abin Sir and Sinestro, and so that's, that's why I picked them. Okay. So then they were like the main focus, and then everybody else kind of filled in around? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we had, like, when we, we asked Dave Gibbons what story he'd want to do, and he said Mogo, so every, really the writers picked the, picked the characters. That's really nice. Um, was there any lanterns that stories didn't get to get told that maybe you wish would have? Um, yeah, there's. I mean, there's so many I could list. Go on and on. Um, there's a lot of characters I love. There's Morrow, the Crypt Keeper. There's Tomar Ray. Be nice to see his origin. Uh, Vaz, who's this big, like Chewbacca meets, uh, you know, Kilowog, like this huge hulking guy who's like the warden of the science cells. He's a really cool character. I would have seen, like, to see his story told. But maybe um, we'll do a sequel. Do you think they'll get a little more play in the animated series that's coming up? Um, a lot of different ones get played in the animated series, yeah. I've read the first 25 scripts already. It's really good, yeah. Um, the movie seemed to uh, focus a lot on the constructs, and what I was wondering is, is there any construct that you yourself would like to be able to create, like your number one thing? Uh, a plane, F-35. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think about that all the time. If only I could create a plane and fly away. It's fun. I mean, that's, I think that's what um, really stimulates everybody about Green Lantern and why it keeps the fans reading is using your imagination and thinking what you would do with it. Like, I love the sequence with Lyra and all the weapons. Yeah. That was amazingly animated. So. Eddie, Berganza, Eddie, Eddie Berganza told me he researched all these weapons in order to write that scene, which I thought was really cool. Um, but, uh, uh, but, but, you know, imagination is why this thing works, I think, because you see all these different characters and you want to know, well, what's their story? What's their story? What constructs are they going to make? You know, what's their planet like? So it, it's not just about what you would make with the ring, but about what all these characters are about. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That's very cool. I think that's where you get their individual voice. Yeah. Um, last question, Atroticus. Um, Atrostis. Yeah. I don't know. That's what we were just talking about, actually. We think you need to release some sort of dictionary of how you say characters' names, or online you could, like, click on it, and someone would that's say it for you. We've actually... <laughs> Doing all this Green Lantern stuff, that actually came up as a bit like people are like, is it Tomar Ray or Tomar Ree or is it Salak or Salak? Is like like so there's all these everybody's a little confused about Like the guy in the um, the Green Lantern panel yesterday, what was it about um, uh, Saddam? Is it oh, yeah, so Saddam or so damn good? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you never know and, and everyone has their own interpretation, but you don't know until you're done. So how how do you pronounce it? Atrocitus. Atrocitus. Yes. Okay. He was a little smaller than we're used to seeing him. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, when he gets the red ring, he'll be bigger. That's what I figured. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much.